cream of the crop. Welcome to the 43rd edition of the Guna podcast, recorded in January after the home draw against Everton. Our sponsors are GunaShirts.com, online purveyors of a fine range of Arsenal t-shirts. This is your host, Joe Broadfoot, and I'm here to bring you the remainder of the panel chat recorded at the same time as our previous edition. So continuing on, our Guna regulars, David Udo, Mark Ollington and Kevin Witcher. Here's the rest of what they had to say. Well, at the time of this recording, we are within three points of Chelsea. So the question is to the panel, are you optimistic about our chances of actually bringing the title back back to the club? Um, everyone's sort of looking blank at this stage. I want you to point to who's going to answer um, the I don't know if I want to point to anyone. I'll start myself. <laughs> None of you want to say anything. Um, I'm not that optimistic, I have to be honest. I'm really not optimistic because I don't think the squad's strong enough. We got for Marlon And he plays for us, he's in defence We got for Marlon And they say he is the capital's finest
I think I think we can win the league. I'm, I, I'm, I'm relatively optimistic. Is that because the other teams are not that good? You read my mind. You read my mind. Um, the league will be won this year with about 82, 83 points, which would be, a, I, I would say, a seven or eight year low. Mm. Um, everyone's beating everyone. I mean, Chelsea played us, and I thought they were outstanding. They're the best team I've seen against Arsenal in years. I, th- I thought they were clinical. They they didn't play with the flair and grace of our 2004 mm. Invincibles, but they played with the power, the precision, uh, the clinicality. They were an excellent and awesome football team. And then they what lose two of the next, what take one win from the next four games. Uh, they forget how to defend set pieces. Uh, Peter Cech starts doing Manuel Almunia impressions. Um, uh, you know, the world goes to pot. Cats and dogs living in perfect harmony. The basic breakdown in social function. The f- world's gone fucking mad. Manchester United lose one player over the summer. And, you know, that's it. They're completely decimated. They look as though they can't buy a goal in places. I saw them against Birmingham on Saturday evening. And it was hard to tell who the top of the table side was. It's, it's a crazy league this year. Um, we're at a huge advantage in that at the end of this month we play uh, the best four other teams in the league concurrently and if by the end of those four games against Villa, Chelsea, Manchester United and Liverpool we're within four points, five points of the top of the table, table too fucking right we can win the league. So a draw is going to be enough in those big games? That's exactly my point. That's amazing. You ask this question again in four weeks and know exactly the answer. Because if we come out of those few games and we get decent results here and there, even lose two but pick up two wins, we've got that league in the bag. I totally agree with what David said in the sense that this team we've got at the moment has got weaknesses in key areas. But so is Chelsea, so is Man United. There is not one brilliant, great team in our league at the moment. And we sit here, you know, in a fair play, we sit, we whinge and we moan and we whine, but there's not one team in our league that can, we can sit there and say, our team's perfect. Every single team has got, you know, frail, right, frailties. We can win it, we really can. And as long as we get a couple of decent results, end of the month, it's ours for the untaken. Our running is a lot easier than any other team. We've got, that's it. We've so got what makes top. us better than Chelsea? We're that's not better than Chelsea, question. but my point to you is, Joe, mm. is we're not much worse. And a lot of league victories come down to kind of luck. And I don't care what anyone says, Chelsea have bad um, patches and they will go through and they will not win every single game to now the end of the season. And they, and might, they might struggle more during the period of the African Nations Cup, depending on how that pans out. Well, they probably won't play any of games, so because the weather. But what I will see actually happening is, is that it's know, very cynical of you to <laughs> say. <that. laughs> well, the fixture list does have a habit of working out nicely for Chelsea. I mean, I think they've been drawn at home in the third round of the FA Cup in the last eight years, and their draw always happens to be against Debenhams or Waterman Hersham Ladies or Melchester Rovers. You know, they never get Man United away. You know, and, and Stoke away that is really tough Stoke away is, is, is a hard game but uh, I mean as, as we discussed in the previous podcast um, you know it, they've, they've got the, they're really going to be hurt by the African Cup of Nations in that their best their best centre forward is away and their first reserve centre forward is away the two players they've got who can play in a holding midfield role which is quintessential to the way that Chelsea line up in their diamond are both away and they've got a goalkeeper shot of confidence 
their first game without all those players is Hull away on a murky, shitty, snowy January afternoon up north against a bunch of northern clockers who will relish those conditions. And lo and behold, the game gets called off, probably to be rescheduled for a nice summery evening in April, I would have thought. But, you know, it's like that and that's the way it is. To be honest, I'd prefer Hull <coughs> away in the FA Cup to Stoke City away. I mean, to me, that's such a tough game. But going back to the league for a moment, is 80, 82 points, is that going to be enough to win the league, really? So if you look at the amount of games that the top four teams have lost, is it you know, all teams lost four or five games at the moment? Normally you win the league and lose less than that. We know that we're only halfway through the end season. So I think if you judge, just judge it on where we are halfway through, definitely. I'd like to see the last time a team won the Premier League uh, losing more than four games. I think we're, I think we're looking... I think it was last season, wasn't it? Man United lost six, didn't they? Really? But oh, drew okay. none, almost, I think it drew two. Oh, right, okay. 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 Um, I mean, basically, the, that, that is part of the secret of winning the league. Because as someone uh, uh, I know once said, uh, Mr. Ian Tanner, a draw is two-thirds of a defeat. So mm. basically, if you play three games and draw three games, it's much worse than, than winning two of them and losing one. You've got double the number of points. Mm. And, I mean, that's what's so frustrating about some of the crappy draws we've had this season. I mean, Burnley away, again, we should have won. Everton obviously deserved to win. And in a sense, you could say that that actually is a point gained considering the poverty of the Arsenal performance. Um, West Ham away is obviously a game we should have won. So. Isn't there only three draws, though, Kevin, the entire season so far? Um, I believe you're right. Yeah, so I mean that's encouraging. Yeah, that's encouraging. I mean the title is there for the taking. All all Arsenal have to do is win the games that they should be expected to. And now, I my little fear is that when the pressure's really on, because these guys aren't experienced at winning things for the most part, they might not be able to handle the pressure. So can we get the 40 more points that we need to, to make that 82 points? Well, can I it? mean, logically, yes. In reality, I, I, I'm not... Oh, I'd love, I'd can love you believe in inexperience, though? That is the question. I've got a little well, story I mean, for you, Joe. I've got a story for you. Come on in, Mark. After Let's hear your story. Game, yeah, I email Kev. Um, is that something else? It's probably about shopping. I don't know whatever I email Kev about. <laughs> you know, something crazy. But I put P.S. We can still win the league. You wrote back saying, what, what do you want? I think was your exact words. <laughs> and then look what happened. When a whole month where the teams dropped points, left, right and centre, it was barking. I could not foresee what's happened in the last got Was that Arsene Wenger putting a spanner in the other team's works? Because he said, he said these other teams will Who drop knows? points in his French accent. And he said, Chelsea drop points and they have dropped all quite I a say, few points since he said exactly. that exactly it it, you can analyse football which is what we all love doing we like talking about it analysing it debating issues here there but the beauty of football Joe and the reason why we love it and the reason why we carry on paying loads of money for it and the reason why we come back week after week after week because it throws up those surprises and it still does it and that is why I mean who would have thought after that Chelsea game getting twonked 3-0 we'd be in a position where we are now still fighting with a fighting chance only three points behind the leaders. Who would have thought it? Not, Not me, me, that's for sure. But you've got to believe, Joe. Yeah, I wish I could believe in Eduardo, though, because Eduardo, 
he's not really pulling up trees. He's played a bit better oh, of late. three goals in four, four games. Oh, get rid of him. Well, no, I wouldn't say get rid of him at this stage, but nonetheless, he's not the player he was before he got the broken leg. No, but maybe he is, he is actually becoming the player he was. I mean, I, granted, he didn't have a great game against Everton. Um, apart from Diaby, I don't think anyone really did, to be fair. So I don't want to single out Eduardo there. Um, but prior to that, I mean, if you look at it as a season, no, what I has mean, he, he done? He's, taken he's had time. two or three reasonable games, and that's about it. And and he's had a lot of dire games when he's when he's come on as a sub. It just so never looked at the business. The, the better games have been lately, which indicates that maybe that's true. he needed to play for a couple of months and, and before he's. I mean, the only thing I'd say about Eduardo is I'm quite willing to give him to the end of the season to before I make a, a decision on whether or not he's worth persevering with. But, you know, I think that he is getting back his old form. I think that header um, against uh, West Ham, was, was it, in the FA Cup? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's, that's the old Eduardo. You know, that's the goal poacher. Um, obviously, there's the game against uh, was it Spurs when he missed a couple of seasons. Oh, yeah. as well. You know, that's the guy yeah. who'd been injured and uh, really wasn't match fit and wasn't sharp. Um, and there were a lot of other games around that period when he was. He was yeah, I mean, really he, he did look producing. bad, but that you've got to give these guys a bit of leeway because you know he. I mean, I'm 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 optimistic. That's all I'll say about it. I'm not. I'm, I haven't written him off yet. I think he could could return to the form of old. So, David, how do you feel about Eduardo? Do you think he's going to be his old self? I feel sorry for the guy. I mean, if ever a guy was invented to play in a four four two, it's Eduardo. I mean, he's the best football he's played in his Arsenal career was when he was playing up front with uh, Manchester City's mercenary centre forward. Um, where it was the perfect big man little man combination, you know, Lumper would hold the ball up, uh, and you know, number little number nine runs into the right channel, ball through, goal. He was our own little Michael Owen. In this current formation, I mean, the the figurehead of the the attacking three has to be someone who can hold the ball up and create something out of nothing. Um, and neither of those are skills which Eduardo has in his locker. I mean, the guys are a penalty box centre forward. Um, he's slowly discovering his rediscovering his penalty area form which is great to see and very promising but his work outside the box is poor so why is Wenger playing him in um, such a deep position he's run out of options yes exactly he's run out of options I mean he's got the same type of player a type of player that you should have two of on the pitch and he's he's playing him in about five different positions Um, but he's got Arshavin Arshavin is playing further up front than Eduardo in the, last, in the game against Everton. That's what he did, and Eduardo, I couldn't understand that. Eduardo isn't such an intelligent footballer, and one thing you need to do if you're effectively a solo striker is is really use your brain. Now, I remember when um, we were down at 10 men against Liverpool in the, uh, I think it was a 2001-2002 season yeah. at Anfield, Thierry Henry uh, played as a lone centre-forward and gave a demonstration of how to play the position intelligently um, and we ended up winning that game um, Arshivin is more intelligent than Eduardo obviously neither of them have got the height 
but it's 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 down to the bare bones now, and, and we've just run out of options. But Eduardo's got the heading ability, which Arshali yeah, hasn't. but only only with his face in the goal. I mean, it, it's got to be right on his head. I have yeah, to admit that. <laughs> I mean, the hold up aspect of his play isn't that great. At least Arshivin has the technical ability to just hang on to the ball sometimes longer than. Eduardo might. I mean, Eduardo's a touch player. I don't think he's a possession player. Um, but why play him on the left wing? It seems a complete waste so of time. He's left footed and he's got a bit of pace. Um, and additionally, you've also got to remember the way we do play is the players do interchange quite a lot when we are in possession. So the idea that he's marooned out there isn't entirely accurate. I mean, he will drift. And sometimes Nasri will go over there or that sort of thing. Or even Arshim in very occasion will go over there and Edwin will be in the middle. Um, but, but we're down to the bare bones. We've got to put a team out. And so, some of those players aren't suitable for the positions they're being asked to play. But Carlos Velez played left wing a lot. And I know, David, you're a huge fan. <laughs> you're a huge fan of Eduardo and Carlos Velez. If you had to choose... Which of those two play the on the left? Which of the slightly overweight slightly South, American, South Americans you play? would stick there? Who who would it be? Uh, oh, fucking hell. Edu. <laughs> <laughs> Given the choice. Um, yeah, you, you, I, I, He's I, a little bit slower uh, than the other two. I, I, I play Vela out there because I, I think Eduardo could be better used elsewhere on the pitch. Um, I'm still adamant that before his time at Arsenal is over, Eduardo will play at least half of one match at left-back for Arsenal. Especially <laughs> if... if, if um, Manuel Nunez does take out Armand Traore <laughs> neck high in the next game. Um, bless him. Uh, by bless him, I mean chop his face off. Um, well, at least he's got a use. <laughs> now, if, if you have to play on, on someone on the left, it's, it's Carlos Vela. But um, it, it's another thing. Is you only play a left footer on the left wing. And, and it's weird. Why is it about left footers that make them so one-footed? The amount of times I see Vela get into a brilliant position and has to take 17 touches to try and get it back on his left foot. Dear Christ, I'd a quid for every one of those. I'd be buying this for Chinese dinner for all these podcasts. Mm-hmm. But um, which is very nice today, actually. By the way, thank you, Ed. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Mike Francis. Thank you, Mike Francis. Thank you, Mike. But what I mean, it, it's it, I, I feel so sorry for Andre Ashwin. The amount of times you see our de facto left and right wingers get to the byline and they sling it across, and you see the look on Ashwin's face as if say, right, okay, me, five foot four, five him, seven, I think you're fine. Him, oh, is he wearing Cuban heels? He may um, well be. Okay, okay. He me, likes to be known as five foot seven. I understand. All right, me five foot seven, <laughs> centre half six foot five. If I jump off my step ladder, I'm probably still not going to get there before him. Uh, I mean, what, what's the point of having you know, left footers and right footers on those wings? You know, you, you swap them, you let them cut inside, and you, you let them create. But you know, I mean, Arsenal knows. But you, you know who puts in a, a good cross is Traore. I have to give him some credit for that. There's a very good reason for that. Because he, he don't. No, he, he he's obsessed by God. I read about an article about it recently. So Sorry, I cross. thought my I was so hearing he, things. No, seriously, he's <laughs> found religion in a very very big way, apparently. And so um, yeah, and that's why he always puts. Well, in God's putting cross. in the crosses very well for us. I have to. The only problem in that argument is that his yeah. God is Allah. Is he oh, is he Muslim? really? He's not a Christian. No, he's a Muslim. That's right. Well, there were kind of gods. That's it? okay. Don't yeah. worry. It's okay to have Muslims in your team. I know, but it's I'm okay, going to go with that because well, I'm really happy well, with the crosses he's putting in our box. I mean, but there's no one there. There's no one there to 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 actually finish. That's no, the problem. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of the fullbacks started off as midfielders. I mean, it's part of Wenger's philosophy that uh, every player, whatever their position, should be able to be very competent on the ball. 
which is the reason he doesn't buy defenders. He, he buys midfielders and converts them <laughs> uh, in many instances. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, crossing the ball... It's a waste of time most of the time. So I think. Uh, but when, when you're talking right, about get, get guys on the. I mean, like Perez used to be uh, right footed. He cut in on the. Played the left hand wing and cut into devastating effect. So. I mean, all that happened then was he became the best left sided midfield player in the world, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I'm looking forward, incidentally, to the hilarious situation in three or four weeks' time when Nicholas Benton's back and we still see Andre Arshavin playing as the lone centre forward <laughs> and you have this perverse... And we'll have Benton playing on the right yeah, wing. The, the six foot five inch centre forward hitting in bad crosses for the midget to try and get on the end. And line. you're asking us if we can win the league. <laughs> <laughs> Just to bring it back to point zero here. But doesn't that show you how bad the Premier League's got this it season? It does. It's desperate situation that Arsenal are within three points of first position given it's almost a circus frankly the uh, the team formation so given our desperate situation are there any players that we could release in the summer or do we need to really keep hold of everyone even Senderos 28 year contract I mean Senderos is out of contract so would you let him go he's already given up on Senderos is is definitely on the way out well I'm not Altogether unhappy about that. I think that. the day after the Liverpool Champions League quarter-final, Senderos mm. came into training to find his desk in the car park. What's the, <laughs> what's the word on the M street with him? Because obviously he came back and they didn't want him back. But hasn't really given him a chance. By all accounts, really he, he was in the team for the FA Cup game against West Ham and, and had a, not so much a row, but had a State of the Union conversation with Wenger and, along the lines of, well, I don't want to cup time myself and I don't want to potentially injure myself, bearing in mind you mm. want me to leave the club, I want to leave the club. So, you know... What's, what's the point uh, to which Benga Boyle accounts yeah that's fine that's a good point with the reserves um, in yeah, the way that he did with Ali Adier and, and Flamini mm. the, the year before he had his yeah. brilliant season um, yeah you won't see Sendros in a first team squad I think if someone stumps up by all accounts the £1 million we're asking for I think he'll go yeah. in this transfer window and that's when you'll see Sol Campbell Sign for is there anyone else you'd like to well I'm not saying you'd like to see Senderos go but is there anyone that you would like to see go Cold along with Senderos <laughs> <laughs> is there a whole list or is it just one or two it's a big list okay. I mean the one person I want to stay is, is Gallus the I one fear, I fear he will go no I mean he's likely to go I think he's stay probably according to what Wenger's been saying recently yeah, he's well, talking about giving him a longer contract yeah. than what he normally would give for somebody of his age I hope you're right I really do because uh, he's, he's had a great season that's true um, and we need players like that um, in the squad um, even I, if he can't communicate with Traore very well. Well, he communicated very they well. They speak in French, on, uh, both the of them, game. I have to add. Very, very, I mean, certainly Traore heard him loud and clear. But Traore claimed that he didn't. Well, this, this is the sad thing about having a team full of children. When you have a situation with Traore, who, who didn't have the, the truly woeful game that the press and match of the day uh, set him out to have had, uh, but he was given a torrid time by an excellent Landon Donovan, it has to be said. It was, it was brilliant for Everton, I thought. I thought he was, out, I thought he was outstanding on Saturday. Um, this is when you need your 28-year-old 60-cap central midfield player, centre-forward, to go put an arm around the kid and say, don't worry, it's fine. You know, go out to the playground. You, know, you stand the yard mm. off him, you, try and make, you know, let him try and go around you. You use your face. You just need someone to put a curry hand on the, shoul- on, on the shoulders. But because you know, these are all millionaire children, Playboys in their their mansions who have no you know conceptual understanding of the outside world. No, mm. I don't really think they ultimately give a fine fuck about each other. 
Yeah, there may be some of that going on because they're they're more interested in PSPs, Nintendo Wii's, that kind of thing. Going for a Wii. Yeah, going for a Wii, probably. But trial rate, you know, for one, I'm I thought I'm I'm quite surprised because I didn't watch Match of the Day. I didn't realise they they took him apart like that. But um, oh yeah, really it's, it's the same hatchet job they did on mm. Wayne Bridge mm. uh, in the Man City game the other week. Uh, it's odd because the two pundits experts on Match of the Day. And they didn't it, see the full it, well, 90 it, minutes, obviously. <laughs> to take him apart, they couldn't it's not have odd. seen they're, the 90 they're minutes. experts on all eight of the games played on any given Saturday, uh, despite the fact there physically is not enough time for them to have watched every single game hmm. between 3 o'clock and 10 o'clock in the evening. Because trial um, he did a... I mean, I'm not saying he had a great game, n- not by any means, but he, the he did mistakes. enough good the stuff mistakes, but he's, to he's justify his selection. His recovery time is excellent mm. and better than our other two full-backs, our other two left-backs in that position. Mm. We go back to the question, players to release in the summer... Um, believe it or not I think it might be in the best interest of the club if we were to release Manuel Almunia uh, <laughs> you're taking a piss for well, pay him off. Sake, seriously <laughs> oh, come pay on. him off I'll, 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 cut, his, I'll his cut his foot off and sell him seriously yeah. Yeah. Serious. please take the question seriously this is not, <laughs> well, not make him have an accident yeah, come on. our Spanish genius <laughs> must go um, <laughs> and, uh, Al- Almunia has to go Danielson should go so if Sylvester gets another contract I'm going to ask Arsene if I can have one because yeah. I didn't realise they were giving them away. Sylvester is not that bad. I'm let's, sorry. Let's, oh, let's, oh, let's, I'm uh, sorry. You can call me what you like, we were, even my name. <laughs> but Sylvester is not that bad. He's not as bad as Senderos. Sorry for anyone that likes Senderos, but Sylvester to me, he's nowhere near as bad as Senderos, and he's not as bad as um, Stepanov's. No one's that bad. Yeah, but Stepanov isn't there anymore, Joe. Yeah, I know, but I'm just living on the past. Okay. But, no, I mean, Silvestro, he's, he's okay to have on the bench. Let's he doesn't have... always perform, but he doesn't always <laughs> not perform either. Let's cash in on Theo. Let's take the money now. See, I disagree with you there as well. Yeah, I do as well, Joe. Okay, yeah. no, you're backing me good. On, anyway, on Theo, this, is, this is familiar territory. Yeah, yeah, so we won't go into the fact that he scored a hat-trick for England in Croatia. Fluke. <laughs> <laughs> And scored against Chelsea in the League Cup final. Another fluke. Shitter. Yeah. So who else other than Theo and Silvestro? I, th- I think against I my think, wishes. I think the, Dan- the Danielson experiments fail. I, I mean, I, I just don't. I don't see what he brings. But some people swear by him. I'm not I one of them. Like but some people do. Right. I think he's okay. This he's, season he's been okay. He plays hospital passes constantly. Uh, in, you know, he doesn't mm. have the awareness to play. A ball that is not going to compromise a teammate. All he will do is pass it short. Now, sometimes he gets away with it because there doesn't happen to be tight marking. But if it's an intense game when basically the other team are pressing us, he he is neither good defensively nor creatively. He is, in fact, a liability. The only thing I will say for him is that I'm sure his stats are brilliant. (laughs) Hence, Wenger's constant faith in the boy. But the bottom line is he hasn't developed for two or three years. He hasn't improved. And I think the the phrase, an experiment that failed, was used by David, um, possibly to describe him, and I can't argue with a word of that. But the point is, with his stats, I've looked at this. (laughs) Not recently, but I've looked at it, say, a couple of months ago. I would have to say that Flamini was the guy 
that covered the most blades of grass. Well, they didn't count it in blades of grass. They counted it in kilometres. Who, before that and last season? Flamini was the man. I'll tell you yeah. what's happening with these stats. Danielson is making <laughs> a five-yard pass, OK? That's it. A passing stats. Hold on. He's five-yard pass, stats. which is then... Um, a touch is made by an Arsenal player. So and they say that's pass completion. A pass completion. Yes, you're the right. The fact that right. 0.5 seconds later they're tackled because they should never have been passed in the first place doesn't count against yeah, Nielsen. Here nor there. Yeah. So his pass completion rate He's is probably remarkable. And it's amazing and how Wenger's looking at that. And it gives you an illusion that, that this guy is good in possession, mm. where in fact he's, he's actually contributing heavily towards giving it away. But if you look at the stats that come up on the Champions That's League games... That's a Fellini game you know, you're going to go with, Joe. <laughs> yes, Flamini, 13 kilometres a game. That's what he was covering. And Denilson's about 11, 10 or 11. That's quite a big difference. Imagine we're four years back in time or three years back in time and we're sat around in this podcast now and this was in Fellini's lost season. You would have said, oh, which player would like to get rid of it in the summer? We would have said him. We didn't know that that last season he would come back and have that magnificent performance. Most fans would have shipped him out straight away. Yeah, me too. Skip forward two years, said to me, Mark, which players would I get rid of? And I said to you, Alex Song, get rid of him. He's absolute rubbish. Who knows, Joe? Who no, knows? No, no. These players come around, they turn themselves about. Who would have said Alex Song, I think Kev mentioned it earlier on, would be the fulcrum of our team? Who would have thought that? Not me. But it's, it's, a, fair, it's, a, it's a fair point from Mark that I've seen Denilson for four years in a row and the thing about Flamini and Son is they both had stints intermittent runs three or four game blocks in the team Danielson has played 150 games for Arsenal in his well we moved to he signed in the, 2006 2006 really he's in his fourth year at the club he's played an average of 40 games a season and he's not going to be better he's not going to get any better but if you check the stats <laughs> on, oh, God sorry, sake, I'm getting a bit stato here sorry about this but if you check the stats on who covers the most ground in most games now, it's Fabregas. Back when Flamini was with us, it was Flamini would be number one and Sesk would be number two. It was always like that. Now it's Sesk has to do all the work and he's got to be the brilliant creator as well. I think there's too much, too much on so one guy's shoulders. So with him out as well then? <laughs> Who's Sesk? Denilson. Denilson. No, I think I'd give him a bit more time actually. Because... Well, you know, he's not the greatest. I'll tell you what, Joe, Man United, who desperately need a central midfield player, they won't be kicking down our fucking door to get Danielson in the summer. No, stick that is the, true. Stick him on the transfer list, he won't go to but the But there's, there's something to be said for stability, you Brazil, know, and this whole business of not changing things too quickly. Brazil call up, like, 300 players a season. They give them all a look in, you know, they give them all a go. Um, Danielson's been called up once, about two years ago, for a friendly against Switzerland in which he didn't get off the bench. Now, the fact that you could probably name 30 Brazil players who've played in midfield since then kind of says it all. He's not rated. And there's a reason for that. He's rubbish. He's <laughs> <laughs> so hard if to he, argue. If, if he okay. can't get, the, get near the Brazil team because that fucking clown Lucas at Liverpool... Well. Is ahead of him, and Lucas starts uh, for Brazil now ahead of Gilberto, who's admittedly, you know, his legs don't work anymore. Um, Danielson's not good enough. That is a pretty scary prospect. But also another scary prospect is the <coughs> idea that the team might have to go to the Far East or possibly America in the summer. Why is and that scary, Jeff? It could be scary because of the air miles. 
Because if the emails were going on my account, that wouldn't be scary at all. It'd be the complete opposite of scary. But it's quite scary because it affects injuries and that kind of thing. And All and you don't I want that say, in pre-season, do you? Money-wise, it's looking good, but I'm not so good. I'm looking at the teams that have won the Premier League the last five seasons. And they've done these long trips. Yep. Long-haul trips. Chelsea, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. They've either been in America or South Africa or the Far East before, but, the, before the season started. You know, but and, when and they suddenly, start, yeah. suddenly, you know... They, they get the energy back to win the league. We're talking about a bit of jet lag at the worst, all right? You know, I mean, frankly, over the course of 10 months, you're telling me that a bit of jet lag in August <laughs> is, is going to affect the outcome of the title? I'm afraid your name is Arsene Wenger. It may well be. It has been <laughs> on occasion. We certainly need, you know... We need so we need to kick up the arse. I mean, the the, the coaching's interesting. There are there are some movements on the coaching staff, which is quite interesting. Uh, five years after crossing Arsene Wenger, um, when Wenger offered him uh, Bob Wilson's job as the goalkeeping coach and uh, role as the second choice keeper at Arsenal, who, which David Seaman refused on the grounds that you know my back's fine, I can play another season and then retired three months later after his back went, playing for Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, he made the mistake of crossing Wenger and then turned up by the accounts and said, OK, I'll, I'll take the goalkeeping coach job now. And Wenger said, well, no, this is Jerry Payton, our new goalkeeping coach. Oh, so David Seaman now, anyway, incidentally, is a goalkeeping coach at Arsenal. He does the under-16 goalkeepers two days a week. Mm. Don't cross Arsene Wenger. It will take you a long fucking time to get back. The scene's been taken on. Mark Poom has been taken on with a view to taking over from Jerry Payton this summer as our new full-time goalkeeping coach. Um, by all accounts, Wenger is, is half got ears to the ground with regards to a defensive coach. I, I, I don't know if I hold any credence to that particular rumour. There's someone who generally has a finger on the post time with that kind of thing. So if, if we can shake up the coaching staff, maybe change our pre-season regimes. I mean, I've been to Austria. It's quite nice. It's fucking boring, though. You know, mix it up, play against, you know, play pre-season friendlies against teams we've heard of rather than Ubergister Klachenderkirchen near Hungary. You know, play, play against football teams rather than villages. You know... It'd be, it'd be quite nice. What do you yeah. think about getting rid of Pat Rice? Do you think it's time? Because obviously Man United every few years they're doing to have a different... Yes, man. Yes, man. That is all Pat Rice is. So, He's a tub thumper. So, Ken, is there any argument... He does a lovely warm-up, though. Like, you must admit. Is there an argument having, like, you know, someone else there? There is an argument for having an assistant coach who will opinion. challenge the manager, who will tell him to do things really wacky wild things like playing your best players in the FA Cup semi-final <laughs> oh you've got to let that go Kevin. I can't let it go <laughs> I can't let it go <laughs> bottom line is this Wenger needs challenging and no one challenges him Manchester United under their, uh, have been at their best when Alex Ferguson has had a forward thinking challenging assistant manager uh, Steve McLaren Carlos Quiroz Carlos Quiroz did wonders for Manchester United reinvented their shape um got the best well found Cristiano Ronaldo who you know we couldn't afford Manchester United offering money us offering three goats and Guillaume Varmuts our then four choice goalkeeper um, in fairness we didn't own one of the goats um, <laughs> you, 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 do, you, you need you need a good assistant manager I mean in fairness Sam Allen what, what's, what's Pat Rice who's been you know an assistant or youth team coach for the last 30 years what's he going to do when he retires from Arsenal you know, have a retirement, have a retirement and die. Exactly. You know, you look at the assistant managers under 
Alex Ferguson, Carlos Quiroz went on to manage Portugal. Steve McLaren went on to manage England and is now top of um, Eredivisie in Holland. Um, Walter Smith went on to manage Scotland and Rangers. Uh, and Mike Phelan, by all accounts, is a red-hot favourite for the Burnley job. Brian, Brian Kidd is one of the most in-demand assistant coaches in mm. football. Absolutely. He's not a very good number one, but as the, the number two... I'm pretty certain he's the only reason Pat Rice still has a job is that when Wenger turned up for his first day, uh, with Boro Primor action, said, right, OK, who's the coaching staff? Saw a bunch of names they didn't recognise. Saw, you know, Patrice. Oh, there is one Frenchman here. <laughs> <laughs> I've signed him up for the next 15 years. Patrice. Oh, Rinder Arson, it's nice to see you. <laughs> It's, it's interesting, actually, that, that in the selection of the coaching staff, Wenger picks people who are going to be popular with the supporters um, at the same time as not actually challenging them at all. Um, Gunnosaurus is rumoured to be in life. <laughs> so we've got on the staff, we've got Pat Rice, we've got Liam Brady, Steve we've Bold. got Steve Bold. Now, the interesting thing about Bold is that he actually looks like he might be a decent coach. Mm. Mm. My suspicion is he's going to stay with the kids until yes. such a time as Arsene has uh, left the building. Well, but Arsene's talking about like leaving the building in the not-too-distant future. I mean, do you think that's going to happen? The only way Arsene is leaving... There are two ways Arsene is leaving the building. Number one, in a wooden box. <laughs> Number two, with a P45 issued by the board. That's not going to happen. Neither is very likely. Okay, the guy's in it for the long run. He has total control. He loves it. So He's why is he talking about power. 18 months? <laughs> why is he talking about 18 months to go? <laughs> two well, large bottles of yeah, Bud Bar. But nonetheless, nonetheless... It's unusual. Well, it's not that unusual, actually. He has talked about this before, but do you think he's actually serious this time about well, this well, 18 months well, and well, it, he pure, might go? Purely because of where the quotes came from, I put some credence to them. I mean, after having finished the superlative Arsenal, the making of a modern super club over Christmas, written by um, our esteemed editor... And oh, Alex is that on Vision Sports Publishing? It is available be. for Vision Sports Publishing. Yeah, it's very good. Um, Definitely. Uh, seven ninety nine, I think, in all good bookstores. If you I'll tell you what I did, actually. Cheap at the price, I read that, and after. I thought I'd need a bit more Arsenal. I read the pocketbook of Arsenal straight afterwards. There's a pocketbook of Arsenal? Yeah, it makes a lovely double companion. 9.99 really. in all Oh, it's gone up. Stores. I mean, how no, much no, is no, a brick? The other book. How much is a brick at the Armoury Square, may I ask? We'll, right. come, on, we'll come on to that right. in a minute. If, if I may, sorry, no, no. Right. I, I, We're going to just I, go back a moment. No, no, I finished reading, reading Kevin Alex's book over Christmas, Arsenal, The Making of a Modern Super Club. And... Um, uh, one of the things uh, that's revealed is, is while Wenger has complete and utter contempt for the British press, there are a select group of three or four French journalists who, whilst I, I don't think he refers to them as friends, he's happy to give quotes to and speak to you know, quite candidly. And the fact that these, these quotes emanating today, uh, my players are giving me, uh, I'll give my players 18 months to prove their worth, the fact that they've come from France Football Magazine, I, I give a degree of credence to them. I, I, know mm. I, th- I think there might be some truth to them. But if if the I mean my my written French isn't good enough so I can't read the actual quotes after all are on the Daily Mirror's translation which is done in wax crayon and handprints. Um, if if the essence of the quote is true, which is I'm going to give my players 18 months to prove to me they're good enough, um, even Gazidis needs to take the manager to account because the players are only at the club because these are the players which he insists are the best in the world. These are the players that he's nurtured from from. Uh, the age of 18 onwards if he's now saying it's up to them to prove to me it, it's the manager's fucking fault and he's a fucking hypocrite but if he's saying that and I'll say if with a big capital IF 
if he's saying that, does it mean that he's just trying to g up the players that he's got? Is is that is that the intent, the purpose well, of, of those quotes? 18, if that's what he's actually said, eighteen months to prove themselves. Why is he giving them great long contracts? Um, mm. I mean, it's, the bottom line is, 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 I mean, there may be an element of this in which that he realizes that if it doesn't work out pretty soon, his whole thing of the last four years has failed and he knows he'll get the boots so it's basically he's falling on his own sword by seeing out his contract and then making some diplomatic uh, decision about retiring and blah 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 and moving back to France which might happen for family reasons um, his daughter's education for one uh, so if Arsenal fail to win anything this season um, and next season, I can see him. I can actually see him saying, "Okay, I'm just going to try my hand at something else now," because he'll need time to rebuild a team. And I'm not sure the board will extend quite enough goodwill to him to do that if if we've gone this long without winning something. There's a lack of alternatives out there. That's the, that's the trouble. Well, well no. Well, I mean, you're talking about managers. Well, there's yeah. Well, give well, me a manager that's, that's going to win more. That's well, hitting. It's not a guarantee he's going to win stuff. A, uh, I think. I think basically the managers, you know, I mean, someone like Capello, for example, has shown the the, the significance of having the right type of manager in the job. Mm. In what it is. I mean, you know, the, the, the England are not unlike Arsenal in that they're a bunch of pampered superstars who think they're better than they are. And now you've got a manager in there who's actually taking zero bullshit and making them justify their places. And for fuck's sake, they're playing out of their skins all of a sudden because there are no favourites anymore. It doesn't matter who you are, you will get drops if you are not performing. And added to which, you'll get a rocket up your derriere. But could right. you guarantee Hiddink would do a better job than Wenger? Well, you couldn't guarantee anything. However, what the club will need if they do fail to win anything in the next 18 months is a change of tack because you can't just keep going on with the same old song there's, there's no pun intended we've only got one song yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, you know you can't keep going on you, you have to at some point change direction change philosophy if something's not working out there are outstanding young managers out there. I mean, Kike Flores, who admittedly has only been back in management for the last sort of two or three months or so, he's turned Atletico Madrid's season around. Uh, I've watched him a couple of times on Sky Sports recently, and they play wonderful football. He's, he's brought the best out of Jose Reyes before he is really unfortunate ACL injury that he picked up a few weeks ago has ruled him out for the rest of the season. Um, the job that Laurent Blanc has done at Girondin de Bordeaux uh, is remarkable. He's taken one of the smaller clubs in France who haven't really done anything for the last 10 years and they've broken the Lyon monopoly, uh, which is a fantastic effort. There are coaches around Europe. Um, I, I mean, Steve McLeod's doing a fantastic job in, uh, in Holland, whilst I wouldn't suggest for a second takeover at Arsenal. Um, so what sort of manager do we want? Do we want a, an experienced manager or do we want I'd an take, up and I'd coming? I'd Lauren Blanc in a heartbeat. I just want a player, a, a manager who will motivate well-played professionals. Because what worries me about the current bunch is that they're not motivated. You know, I, I don't see the hunger and the desire there. Certainly didn't see it against Everton on Saturday. And 
what worries me is that, that they're not consistent in their desire. It, sometimes it surfaces, but sometimes it's just completely lacking. And I, I would like to see it a lot more often. But Arsene Wenger delivered a rocket in one and particular. Look what happened. And, and there look was, what happened. There was some reaction to that. Well, maybe he should do it reaction. more often. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line. If he, if he, maybe that lecture should be dished out a little more frequently so that the f- players are afraid of him. Well, <laughs> it doesn't link very well at all, but we talked about it earlier. Armory Square. Anyone here thinking about buying a brick? Well, there are a few bricks in the Arsenal first team <laughs> squad if you want a link. However... i tell you what, Joe. I come here full of the joys of winter, enjoying the snow. Not yet despondent with the snow. Quite like it. The field figure looks magical. London looks clean and lovely and very, very nice. So you're saying you want a brick? And our editor has brought me right back down again. He has that kind of um, effect. Welcome to reality, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Armory Square... I bought one of those things until, once again, old flipping Chucklebrother over here <laughs> <laughs> tells me, because I didn't read the small print, I was stupid, um, and I just went, yeah, brilliant, I have a name out on Arsenal, brilliant, I'll be the very big, big bananas, look at me, I've got a stone, I've got a stone in the ground. What did like, you, you want to say, Mark? Yeah, what did you say? Says your name. Says yeah, your name. That's it. I thought, yes, that's me, that's who I am. It's is it easy to find? In though? the ground. And so, it? Tell you. Anyway, Joe, let me finish, mate. Come All right, on. Come on. So, I, I buy me stone, I'm over the moon. After that, I get my brother. He buys a stone as well. We're brothers in stone. We are happy. We are jolly. We are singing the stone song until he tells me after ten years to be gone. You're two bricks. That's what, what I'm trying to tell you, mate. You're two bricks in two, all senses of the word. Two bricks, <laughs> and it lasts how long? Apparently, I thought it'd be forever. That was my thought when I bought it. I bought this stone in the ground. Very, oh. very mind it is sold with the tagline "Forever Arsenal." I think you're entitled to think. Thank you, David. Last how long? Forever. No, yeah. Forever, comma, Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, the way they've worded it means that you're not getting it forever, and they legally reserve the right to rip the whole thing up after a decade. Now, if they, if they were just going to let the things naturally weather, fair enough. But the way they've contractually, contractually worded it is that they have the option to basically make you pay another 50 quid in 10 years' time. And I've been sold for a bloody kipper. <laughs> so any consolation of £50, apparently, doesn't go towards Emmanuel Abue's £55,000 a week, but towards the continuing arsenalisation of Ashburn Grove. Is that true? Apparently. Oh, thank you, David. Yeah, kept out your pipe and smoke it. Right. <laughs> 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 OK, just to round up, our email address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to our sponsors, gunashirts.com, and a reminder that the current issue of The Guna, number 201, features a free 16-page pull-out calendar of Arsenal's greatest moments of the last decade, and it will be on sale at the next Arsenal home game. It can also be bought online from The Guna Shop on our very own website. We'll be back once again in February, but that's all for this edition. I'm Joe Broadfoot. Thanks for listening.